Across the UK, across continental North America, and around the world on the internet by webcast and by podcast, my name is Howard Hughes and this is The Unexplained. Well, autumn proceeds here in the United Kingdom. Out of my window right now, I can see the trees are shimmering in a bit of a breeze. They're reasonably green at the moment, I have to say, but they are rapidly turning browner than they were, because that's just the change of the seasons for you. And the temperature is okay, but I can detect in the mornings a little bit of a bite in the temperature and a little bit of dampness in the air. And that means the inevitable (laughs) is happening and the weather is changing and the sun is moving south. So that's the weather report from London to begin this. Thank you for all of the emails. Please keep those coming. Uh, Theunexplained.tv is the best place to send me them. So go to the website designed by Adam and you can follow the link and send me emails and communications from there. And if your uh, email specifically requires a response, then please let me know and then I'll make sure that you get one. If not, please know that I see and note every single email, every detail, every story that you tell me that comes in through the emails, and I'm grateful for those. And also the messages that you've been sending me through the Facebook page lately. That is the official Facebook page of The Unexplained with Howard Hughes. They are welcome too. The guest on this edition of The Unexplained is a man called Joshua Louie, who I have to say that until very recently I had heard nothing about and knew nothing about. But I'm glad that we made the contact. Uh, Let me give you a bit from his biography here. Joshua Louis, who's in Florida, is uh, somebody who had a troubled past. And he struggled to understand the world around him and, like a lot of us, his purpose within it. Following a simple spiritual path, he'd come to understand his purpose in a profound way. Uh, Ten years ago, his intuitive nature drew him to seek the truth regarding paranormal events and the existence of an afterlife using, and this is what makes him really interesting, a wide array of technological devices. Combined with intuitive means, Josh says that he's been able to successfully reconnect many people with deceased loved ones. There is more to his story than that, but that kind of gives you an idea of the territory that we're in. Now, I have to say that this conversation was recorded about 10 days or so ago as I'm speaking these words, and at that time, of course, the big hurricane was bearing down on Florida, where he is, So we make reference of the approaching hurricane, which of course has now been and gone. And my thoughts very much with those many, many people, I think hundreds of thousands of them, if not more, affected by Hurricane Ian. And I hope that you're beginning to see your way clear now if you were affected by that. But uh, there is a reference to the hurricane approaching in this conversation. Uh, Of course, Joshua Louis being in Florida. Uh, The other thing to note is that at the time of recording, I didn't have any sound examples of the technology that Joshua is using. So you will notice that I've cut in a sound example. It's a a minute recording or so from one of his sessions that will appear at an appropriate place in the recording. So please know that. And those are the only two things really you need to know about this. I hope you enjoy it. And I thank you very much for engaging with my show. Remember that if you do want to contact me, and specifically if you email me, please tell me who you are, where you are, and how you make use of this show, wherever in the world that you happen to reside. Okay, I'm going to stop talking now, thank God you say, and let's cross now to Florida. Joshua Louie is the guest on this edition of The Unexplained. Josh, thank you for doing this. Um, I want to explain to my listener that uh, as we record this, and they may not hear it for a week or so until after it's been recorded, you are or have been in the teeth of a hurricane, yeah? Yes, yes. I This Hurricane Ian is passing by right now, and we are not getting 
the brunt of it, but we are getting its effects as it's passing by, and it's been it's been a little hectic. But yes, I'm okay. She and of course we've got to watch the news reports because from everything that is suggested, Ian is not going to be the first, the, the last. Right. You know, every year we get a few that pass by and if we're lucky, they just keep passing by and and sometimes they hit us. So this may not be. There's still a couple out there. Mm. And listen, if you're an ordinary person, I've been to Florida and I love Florida. There are many compensations for living in Florida. But one of the downsides (laughs) is, you know, the weather sometimes, if you're not too careful, can be can be quite lethal. How do you prepare for that? Well, it's it's interesting as the hurricane is is brewing in the Atlantic and it's starting to make its way over to the states from Africa. Normally, um, you know, we get plenty of warnings. So when that when that warning goes out, you know, and the paths start taking shape, you know, all Floridians head to the uh, the gas station and they 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 get the you know the petrol and they get the you know the water and we get everything that we can. Um, to prepare. And then, you know, if, if shutters, if the hurricane shutters have to go up, then we have to do that. But, um, you know, if it's, if it's only a one or maybe a two, we can handle it. But if it gets to a hurricane, a category three or four, then we start to worry, you know, but this isn't my first storm. I've been down here 20 plus years and I've dealt with a, a number of storms that have hit and and uh, I've been through some really tough ones. So this this one is not going to be as bad as, as, you know, for some it's going to be very bad. And I feel very bad. A little north of me is is, is, is going to be tough for them. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, yeah. I hope that you stay safe through this hurricane season. We tend to get the back end of them here in the UK and they can give us some pretty strong winds, but nothing like you would right. face. Right, right, but, uh, right. You know, that's yeah. one of those things. I think you know, life has its compensations and it has its uh, demerits, or whatever they call them. It, right, you got pros and cons <laughs> of everything. Right? In all things, which brings me to the whole process of life, really, which is where you're at. Let's talk about yours and then build up to where you're at now. Um, according okay. to a biography that I read of you. It said, having experienced a troubled past, uh, Joshua Louis was someone who struggled to understand the world around him and his purpose within it. Sounds like a good starting point. Talk me through. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's, I, I was raised in a middle-class home in New England, uh, the tri-state area, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut. And I, um, I, I had a very good childhood, very sensitive kid. Um, early on, didn't know I was, I didn't have any, um, intuitive ability early on that I could tell was sensitive. And so therefore I was, you know, I mean, listen, this isn't, this isn't my, um, I'm not, you know, I don't claim a victim of any kind, but you know, I was bullied and things. And so therefore it kind of started me on a, on a really, uh, terrible trajectory. Um, and I started to get in trouble. I, I was a, a juvenile delinquent pretty much. And, um, that that trouble, you know, continued on until I was about, you know, uh, 19, 20 years old, where um, I had to go away for a couple of years. And um, in that, you know, in that time where I, I had to go to prison for a couple of years for a crime, I, um, you know, I found a spirituality. I found everything was leveled. Everything was bottomed out at that point. And um, when I got out, I had this this new life almost. I had no job, no place to live. I had, I had, um, you know, nothing. I had to start over. 
And um, from there, I worked very hard at, at, at working at myself, working on myself. Um, okay, so we're getting the picture that you had problems and your answer to those problems took you into a certain amount of illegality and they put you away for it. Now, that can be the making or breaking of somebody. Right. Can you, yeah. Can you hear me okay now? Yes. Okay. Yes, that was a that was a a pivotal moment in my life. And when I got out of of prison, I had a, a fresh start. And I started, like I was saying, I started working on myself and um, working with other guys that were, you know, kind of facing the same fate that I was. I was trying to kind of give back and trying to work with other people, um, you know, that were less fortunate. And, um, it was very helpful. Um, you know, I started a business, I started to make money and kind of put my life back together. And at that time, um, you know, I, I, I met a beautiful woman, um, Nikki, my partner, a uh, fiance, and, um, we started to, um, become interested in what was going on in the afterlife. If, if, it, if it was real, what was there, we had seen shows, we had, um, seen documentaries and things, and we really didn't know what to believe. So, you know, the two of us uh, would go out to a cemetery or we would go to um, an abandoned building and we would start just, um, you know, kind of doing some, you know, paranormal investigation of, of our own with some basic tools. Gee, I wasn't expecting to hear that. You were a ghost hunter. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was someone who was investigating, um, you know, paranormal occurrences early on, um, with my partner, Nikki. And, um, when we would be done with those investigations, we would go back to our house and, and review the findings. And many times we would hear, um, you know, responses from our voice recorders and our different devices. And they were responses would say, help. Or they would say, we, we're looking for the light. We need the light. Um, and sometimes they would say, God. They would say, once in a while, we would get a response that would say, get out. Um, but most of the time, it was, it was either a name, a help me, uh, looking for the light. And these were definitive responses. These were definitive recordings that we had, that we captured, not on a show, not from anyone else. We did it. So I knew, without a doubt, that there was intelligent voices in another dimension communicating with us. Could we call them spirit? Could we say they're ghosts or whatever? We didn't really know. We couldn't really say that, you know, what they were, but they were giving us their names or they were saying our names. Um, so what that did, was very, so they knew who you were in some cases. Well, you know, we would, we would say uh, our name, we would say our name when we got there. Right, and right, so, so they, they were hearing repeated. you. They're yes, hearing. they were hearing us, right, right. Yeah, now, Isn't that interesting? So that kind of preempts my next question, which was, you know, dialogue is two-way. It seems to me that in some cases when you were doing this, then you were, and this doesn't happen all the time. In, in fact, you know, none of this happens a lot of the time, but right. <laughs> you, you were having a two-way. Right, I was having a two-way conversation with, with a, um, an energy, an entity that was not physically there. That's the most scientific. I mean, that's just really what it was. And we didn't know who or what was going on, you know, what was happening, but we knew that something was happening. 
And um, at that point was when I, I, I went out and I had no experience working with mediums in the past. And, and I had a friend of a friend who referred me to a medium and, and said, you should you know talk to this woman. You should ask her to come out with you. And I said, okay. And so I called her and, and I invited her to come out. And she said, I've never done anything like this. I only connect through myself. I'd have never done um, any, you know, working with devices. And I said, that's okay. You know, we'll, let's go out there and see what happens. And we had already recorded many of the names of these locations we'd been at. And so we brought her and we didn't tell her anything. And we'd say, Hey, you know, you just check and see what, what you're getting. And she'd come up with a lot of the same names that we already recorded. So there was truth to what she was getting. And yet I was still very skeptical of what this woman was saying or, or what she was claiming. Um, but she was very just honest and, and forthright. She, she was not trying to convince us. She said, this is what I'll get. And you, you know, tell me what you feel. And, and so, you know, after a couple of months of working with her and, 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 um, you know, capturing some really amazing, um, experiences and evidence, um, she said to my partner, Nikki and I, that we were both going to be, um, having an ability ourselves to start hearing spirit. And we both kind of scoffed at that. We both said, you know, that's, that's crazy. Um, you know, but a couple months later, um, just like the woman said, you know, we both started to feel different and started to receive information that, that, that came in the form of a thought. So it was so subtle. It was so quick. It was like little blips of energy that would, uh, of information that would come to us. And we didn't know if it was a thought or if it was a psychic thought or feeling. And, and we would say it out loud to whoever we were around and, and the information would be correct. It would be accurate. Can you think of any and, examples of that? Well, okay. So, you know, just the first example was, um, the, on Christmas Eve, uh, on, 2013, um, Nikki was the first to start feeling her ability, um, before I did. And, and, um, I had talked to a friend of mine, um, during the day that day when I was out and the friend had a son who committed to, who, who, uh, who took his life, I should say, you know, who took his life and, and, and he was really distraught. And, and so he was telling me about it and how his son did it and that he hung himself in his closet. It was really a very sad, um, uh, call. And I came home, um, and I walk in and Nikki looks at me and she says, I feel different today. I feel something different. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, I just, I feel something. It's just, it's very, uh, strange. And she said, you know, I feel like you talk to your friend today or you talk to someone that, 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 that told you about, um, uh, taking their life in their closet. I mean, she was accurate at that moment. She just got it. I mean, it was, and I was blown away and I sat down with her. I proceeded to sit down with her and, and ask her questions about not only my, my friend's son, who I just talked about, but about other people that I knew that had passed and everything that Nikki said was, was accurate. And, um, so we knew that she was receiving this ability that she was pretty much a, a skeptic at, about getting. And, and do um, you think that this was happening between you or was this just something that she had and she was telling you about? She, she was getting it on her own. 
I wasn't feeling anything psychic for me. I think that she was getting her own psychic ability, just as this woman had foretold, you know, months prior. And, and, you know, I, I asked her other questions and she was accurate. And for days we sat and just, I mean, like a new kid or like a kid with a new toy, um, we, we sat and kind of, you know, really flexed her, she flexed her ability and kind of, you know, was, we were testing it to see how far, um, and what she was getting and she was accurate. And, how did you and, go about doing that? What, what sorts of things did you ask? just asking about any friend that I knew, any person that I knew, relative that I knew that was deceased, um, that, that Nikki did not know about, that Nikki, I had not told her about, um, you know, and there was a lot of information that I could ask her. I, there was a lot of things I could ask her that she didn't know that I knew she didn't know that, um, I could kind of test her with. And so it was just a lot of, you know, asking about my deceased aunt, about my deceased friend, um, and other people that I knew over the years. And so th this was the way I could test her. And after a few days of doing that and her being as accurate as anything I've ever, any medium I'd, I'd ever seen, um, she got the message herself that I was going to start getting my ability now. Now that was, again, I was in disbelief when this medium, this first medium told me this and, 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 you know, so was Nikki. And now I'm still kind of in a little bit disbelief that I'm going to get it. Um, maybe you were I, kind of both of you opening a door to something. Well, I think so. I think the fact that we were doing paranormal investigation, you know, week after week, going to these cemeteries, going to these places, doing these investigations that was starting to open up our intuitive ability without us even knowing it. Then we work with this medium and all of a sudden we're getting these even more detailed messages and she tells us we're going to do it. And then Nikki starts getting it. And then she tells me that I'm going to do it. And it's just one thing that's leading to another. And then all of a sudden, you know, I mean, just like with Nikki one night, I felt different. I felt like, um, what was the feeling? The feeling was, I feel like something is, uh, I feel like information is about to come in, um, but I don't know what it is. That's the feeling. It's almost like something I'm about to receive a message, but I don't know what that means or what that is. And, and you and, had, I've, I've just got to wind you back a little to earlier sure. on in your life. Sure. Nothing had happened to you when you were younger. I know that that biography said that you had a troubled past. Well, we know that you ended up being, you know, sent to jail after the bullying right. and everything else. And you know, that's, that's quite a common story. It's a sad one, but it's, it's quite right. sadly in this world, quite a common story. Were right. there any indications of any of this that happened to you later when you were younger? I will say there was one well okay it's really not there wasn't anything psychic that happened it was more about a connection to to jesus christ i felt a connection to jesus christ and not in a religious way mm -hmm. it was more of a of a yearning um to know him it was a it was a very strange feeling especially for a young boy because um you know i didn't have any religious background per se i was just uh I would go into a church and I, when it was empty and I would sit in the pew by myself after riding my bike all day and I would just stare at, at, at Christ on the cross and I'd have these profound moments.
moments, these moments of just feeling like a connection to him. And when I was at the bottom, I mean, the bottom of, of when I was bottomed out in my addiction and in my delinquency, I know where to turn. And I, and I remember at two in the morning, I, I jumped in my car crying, not knowing where to, you know, where to go. And I wanted to confess my sins to a priest. And, um, and I drove to a church at two in the morning where of course there was not a car in the parking lot. Um, there was no priest up in the rectory. There was no one around. It was just, and there was this little outside grotto, um, next to the church that they didn't lock. They let people come in and there was, you know, these two, um, kneelers that you could kneel and, and you can light candles in a statue of the blessed mother. And I remember going in there and lighting a candle and kneeling and just praying to God and saying, please send me someone. Let me talk to someone. I need to talk to someone to confess my sins. And, and out of nowhere at two in the morning, out of nowhere, after praying this prayer, this little old lady walked into the grotto holding a dog and, and she lit a candle and she kneeled next to me. And I was too afraid to say anything to this person. I didn't want to bother her. I was already full of snot and tears and, and, uh, and all, again, all I wanted to do was confess my sins. And this woman, she, she just looked at me. She just kind of turned her head and she looked at me with like a very kind face. And she put her hand on my shoulder and she said, would you like to confess your sins to me? And I started crying oh even harder, Howard. Mm -hmm. If I could cry even harder, I did, you know. And, well, I, and this is somebody that you don't know, and it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I do not know. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I do not know. I, I mean, I, she's in front of me. I can see her. I mean, I can feel her touch, so I know she's real. But, I mean, it was as surreal as anything. And, and she, she um, pulled out this little black book, and she, she said, you know, uh, you know, she did the uh, the way that someone would confess their sins, and I just could, I dumped everything I could to her, and and she said, you know, okay, and at, at the end, you know, she took this necklace off of her neck, and it was this thing called a scapular, and it's got it's something that people get at their first holy communion, and she said, on my father's deathbed, you know, uh, or he wore this every day of his life, and and on on his deathbed he gave it to me, and God is telling me to give it to you. And I said, I cannot take something as as sacred as that for you. And and she said, I I have to give it to you, and I still have it to this day. And um, she gave it to me, and as quickly as she was. Um, there she got up and she walked out and she, and, and I, I mean, I barely waited maybe 15, 20 seconds, barely before I decided to get up and look out of the grotto because I was in such disbelief and she, and she was gone and I didn't, there was no car, there was nothing. So I don't know. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this person was a manifestation or, um, you know, uh, whatever. I don't know, but I feel she was real. But what I did feel was that um, that God was listening, whatever God was, whatever higher power there was out there, I felt that he had heard my prayers and that sent this person there. So, okay. There's evidence of something in your background. Fast forward to you and Nikki, then uh, you're getting what you say is information. You know, it's one thing to get that. And it's another thing to be comfortable with that and then decide to do something else with it. Tell me that story. Well, I mean, once we get this information, we start receiving this information, we know it's accurate. We know that it's not just a thought. We know it's it's actually coming 
to us from somewhere else. And uh, we feel it's a divine um, source that we're receiving information. And um, what I wanted to do was now that I felt I had my ability and I knew that it was, it was there, um, I started working with someone. Um, Nikki didn't feel like she needed to, and I don't blame her. She was just really very good at what she was doing. Um, I felt like uh, being 33 years old, I was, you know, I had a lot of hangups with this. So I really wanted to work through those obstacles. So I start, I found a woman named Deborah Lynn Katz, PhD, who is um, uh, just a brilliant woman. Uh, she was a, um, a federal probation officer who was had, had a stressful job and started to take a, a meditation class. And in the meditation class, she realized that she had an intuitive ability. And so she started really developing her intuitive ability herself. And she became this, you know, renowned psychic. And she has the International School of Clairvoyance. And she teaches uh, many students how to work on their ability and bring out their intuitive ability. And I worked with her very closely for months and became one of her, you know, best pupils. And we were, I would do readings for her. She would do readings for me and we would practice on each other in a way. And, um, I, I just, you know, I became very good at what I was doing. Um, I was getting very accurate information. And so I started to, um, to do readings, practice readings for people for a couple of years. And when I felt like I was really good at it or that I was, you know, good enough, I should say, um, cause I, I don't, you know, claim to be the best psychic or, or, you know, or medium. But, um, I started to, to do readings for other people. And, and I've up to this point have done up almost close to 3000 paid readings, um, up to this point. And, um, you know, all the while, while doing that intuitive work, I was still doing, um, the equipment I was working with the equipment and working with the equipment is, is called instrumental trans communication. It's actually got a name. It's called ITC. Um, guys like, um, you know, Thomas Edison, Nikola Tesla, um, uh, Constantine Radovau, Frederick Jurgensen. These are people, brilliant minds, some more well-known than others that were working on communicating with another dimension with an actual apparatus or a, um, a piece of equipment. And as you say, and Nikola so Tesla was really fascinated with this. And so absolutely. many, many other people down the years. What's right. the difference between this and electronic voice phenomena? Is it the same thing? No, it is the same thing. Electronic voice phenomenon, EVP, is what you capture um, a message or response using a voice recorder. So just a basic voice recorder. This is not paranormal equipment. This is something you could go to any, you know, uh, a store and buy a regular digital voice recorder. And Spirit has the ability to imprint their voice signature in a way, um, um, on their energy signature onto the voice recorder. And that is called electronic voice phenomenon. That is also a form of ITC. It's instrumental transcommunication. You're using an instrument to communicate um, with another dimension. And, and that's what it is. But I would also use, in addition to the voice recorder, I would use a spirit box. I would use a, a little radio that would um, scan over um, you know, multiple st radio stations and just um, go up, a, up and down the dial, up and, and down and dial, picking yeah, out, right. uh, picking out words. I, I mean, I've heard some remarkable examples of that, and I've also heard some <laughs> very, very unconvincing examples. Right, what sort of stuff right. did you get? 
Well, I was getting a lot lot of things that were, you know, two or three word responses like, you know, hey, I'm here. It's me, Mike. It's, you know, um, we're looking for the light, you know, things like that. I would get like just a few pieces and I'd have to slow it down. And and I wondered, how is that happening? How or they'd say my name or they'd say a direct answer. I'd say, are you, you know, can you see what I'm holding up? Uh, And I'd hold a pencil and they'd say pencil. Yes, we see it. And these were direct, undeniable responses. And so when you when I would ask and talk to traditional paranormal hunters and I'd say, well, how do you think this is going on? And they would say, well, we think that the spirit is taking a word from the radio broadcast and plucking it out and using it as their response. And I said, well, that that's interesting. I said, that's, you know, I said, that's a theory. I said, but wouldn't, I mean, how are they timing it up and how are they doing? Well, exactly. Because that suggests that there is nothing random that every word that you say is somehow part of somebody's great mosaic. (laughs) That's a very interesting theory. Yes, that is a, um, a theory. And, and, but I found though, that I, through my own research, I found that that spirit was not necessarily doing that. I found that they were taking just the sound from the broadcast that were blips of, of sound, maybe not even whole words at times and forming their own responses with that sound. So it's not that I felt that they were taking a word that was coming up in the broadcast and timing it perfectly. They were timing it. There was timing to it but it was taking the errant pieces of sound coming through the it, you know, that kind of sound coming through and they were forming their own responses. So what I did was further testing and the first testing that I did was create a sound bank. Now, what is a sound bank? A sound bank is just a, a MP3, a recording of, of sound. Right. And, and what I would do is I would take a human voice I would reverse it, I would slow it down, and I would chop it up into small increments, small little bits of sound. So two seconds, one to two second uh, you know, bits of sound. And I would just mix them all up. And I would, I would make this track of pure gibberish. It was human voice, but it was gibberish. Hang on, I mean, you say that you would make... one word. I'm sorry to jump in. Um, you said that you make the track. No. In other words, did you just take... You know, in broadcasting, we have these things called cart walls, and they're okay. basically squares on a screen that each contain a sound effect or a voice or something right. like that. It sounds to me right. like you've got something similar. And what were you doing? Were you just randomly putting them together yourself as a sound file? Right. All I wanted to do was make a sound file of three, four, five minutes long with not one word in it. Okay. The reason I didn't want a word in it is because I didn't want a false positive. Okay. I did not want to run a sound bank through one of my boxes and get a word when it wasn't the actual spirit using it. I wanted to test this theory. Is this theory that that spirit can change uh-huh. this, the raw sound? Can they do this? Right, right. So and when so, you did it, it was it, it, the idea, I guess. When you did it yourself, 
that was really supposed to be random. And the next stage is to see if something out there or be in the great yes. beyond, whatever it might be, engages yes. with this and right. makes something out of it. Right. That is correct. That is exactly correct. That way I knew if a word came through, it would be undeniable. There would be no way for it to be a false positive, like a radio broadcast, just spitting out a word that sometimes people think is a spirit, but really it was just a word coming through um, from the broadcast, leaking through of the radio. So now it's not radio. Now I'm using just, you know, no words, just sound. And I would then, I would pipe it through my box with a little bit of echo. Now, echo, the, the, the effect of echo, reverb, creates elongated sound waves. And when it does that, it, it, it allows the spirit to have more mm, paint to paint with on a canvas, if I, if, if I can use that as an, you know, an analogy. So you're giving them more um, raw sound to use instead of just that little bit of radio that's coming through in the spirit box. So this is different. And I would ask a question and, and I would then, you know, feed some of that sound, that raw sound through the reverb and, and then out the speaker. And all of a sudden I started hearing, I'd ask a question, are you here with me? And they'd say, yes, I'm here. I'm on with Jennifer. We are going to be asking for her father. So let's see. Steven, um, it was an honor to connect with you last time. And I invite you in uh, today. Um, are you there? I see you there. Yes, this is I. Okay, very good. That was excellent, Stephen. That sounded very good, very direct. Yeah, you know I love you. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think about you. I hope you're okay where you are. statement, you know, I'm seeing you kissing me, see it. And that's what was happening. And so it sounded a little different than what the way it would come through the spirit box with the radio bass. But this was this was very interesting and very promising. And then all of a sudden I started doing, um, you know, I started testing by doing session people, you know, like, you know, people that are alive, I would, I would, I would um, get on the phone with them and, and, and I would connect myself intuitively to their loved one. Um, so psychically I would connect to their loved one, but then I would, um, but then I would, um, turn on the box, turn on my box with my voice track, my gibberish voice track. And I'd ask for their loved one to come through and I'd get responses that, that were, you know, they would answer questions that, you know, these people were asking, hey, did you see this? Or did you, um, you know, have you visited me in my dreams? Or have you, um, have you seen what uh, the dog is doing? Or something very, like, you know, specific. And, and I would receive an answer to their question. And, and then I would think I, of any examples that are, you know, examples that, my listener could relate to i mean things that have okay. really surprised you right. 
Okay, so a very a very um, recent um, example and and a very powerful example. I had a friend. Her name is Kimberly. She she had cancer. Um, she followed my work. She called me one day and she said, "Listen, I'm not going to make it." She goes, "Can you reach out to me though for my family, for my husband when I pass?" And I said, "Of course, Kimberly. I absolutely will." I said, "Make sure." your husband has a voice or a recording of your voice. Okay. Um, you can say just anything. It doesn't matter. And she said, okay. And so, uh, she did that. And weeks later or months later, she did pass, unfortunately. And her husband contacted me and she and he said, you know, uh, I don't know how I feel about all this, but she loved you and loved your work. And she wanted me to, to contact you. And I said, okay, I I said, I've been waiting, you know, I'm here. And, and he sent me a recording of her voice that was um, just a couple minutes long. It was a voicemail or something, I think. And so I did my my method. I reversed it. I chopped it up. I slowed it down and I reassembled it. So it was all random, all gibberish, no words. And and so I then used it to, con- you know, I, I, I reached out to her and I got responses. And she said, you know, love is light. I'm okay. And she said some very positive things. And I sent that to him and he was just blown away. But he said, you know, I'm a little bit skeptical, though, that it was her, though. And I said, I don't blame you. I understand. Okay, so I'm not I'm not you know, it's not like I took offense to it or anything. I understand how ridiculous or how crazy this seems. He goes, can I ask her a validating question? And I said, yes, you can ask her a validating question. He goes, can you ask her? what the term muskrat means the term muskrat uh the Mm. word and i said okay i said it's very random and very specific and um so i i reached out to her a second time and i said you know kimberly i said thank you for coming through you know the first time and chris was very happy to hear from you but he wants to validate that it's you and i don't blame him i said can you he, he wants to ask you what does the term muskrat mean to you And she says, or the response comes through, it's in the back of my head. We had to shave my head. Now that's it. That's all that came through. These two responses. It's in the back of my head. Mm -hmm. We had to shave my head. So I tag those responses, not knowing if they're right, not knowing what they mean. I still don't know what the term muskrat means to me, but I sent that to him. And he messaged me back and he said, those responses were perfect. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, she was bedridden towards the end. And she would be worried that the back of her hair, the back of her head would get matted, her hair. And she wanted me to check her hair to make sure I didn't look like a muskrat. (laughs) And or, you know, that she didn't look like a muskrat, he said. And and so very specific. And then eventually he said we had to shave her head. So the answer she gave was perfect. Only she knew that. And she was able to give that answer. And he said, there's no doubt in my mind that it was her coming through. Do you know that that response came from the same two minute gibberish track of voice that I used in the first session 
for her. And I just kept on replaying the same two minutes, you know, or the same track, just, I would just let it loop. And then I would ask questions and I didn't know where I was on the track when I would, when I would, you know, release the knob to have some sound come through. So, you know, that, that example is on my channel and it's there and it's a very powerful, you know, and and I've, and I've captured many of those. Mm. That was just one example. But Kimberly's husband, did you play him the sound? You actually played him the sounds, or did you just tell him what you think you heard? Oh, no, no. I sent him the recording mm-hmm. that he could listen to with right. my captions. And, and he agreed with you that those were the words being said? Well, yes, they sound like the words that are being said, and but the information was 100% yeah. accurate. Yeah. So that's something right. that people, and that's a very good point. I, I know you're kind of alluding to, Howard. That's a very interesting. Some people will say, how do you know what they're saying? Mm. Sometimes you put captions on this stuff and it didn't, I'm not hearing it exactly the way that you're hearing it. And I say, listen, that's okay. My captions are not, I'm not claiming them to be a hundred percent accurate. I don't, I, I'm just putting on the captions of what I believe with my expertise right. in doing this for 10 years, what I believe to be is what's being said. Right. So a hundred percent of this then is, is, and I think we've got some kind of audio issue that delays slightly. So it sounds like I'm jumping in here all the time, and I'm not. but so basically no. it, it needs to, to be complete. It needs your interpretation. It does need my interpretation, but Right. Okay. Yes. So that is true. It needs my interpretation. I put the captions of what I feel is heard, um, or is what's being said. And then it's up to people to decide whether they believe the captions to match up to the sounds. What I will say is that I would say 85 or even better percent of the time, the information, the captions are accurate to what the question is, just like the muskrat. Um, response. Okay. That information that I believed that was said was accurate. So he was able to say, yes, I mean, whether I hear it exactly the way that you're saying it, that is correct. It was in the back of her head and we had to shave her head. So what you said was accurate. Um, you know, so now that I've created my app, I have a free app. It's the Hope Spirit app and it's for free on Android and iOS. And it's a, it's a a mini version of what I, of my process. And it's for, it's for anyone now to download and to use. And so now people are downloading the, it's been downloaded over almost a hundred thousand times and thousands of people are messaging me and have messaged me over the course of the year and a half that it's been out. And they've said, I can't believe it. I was skeptical, but I, I've, I've asked for my brother, my father, my mother, whatever, and the answers are coming through. Here, check it out. Listen but, but to without, this. They say, without you, without your interpretation. Without my interpretation, correct. They are hearing these responses now on their own, and they're sending me the recordings for me to listen to. And yes, I'm listening to them going, yes, it's saying this. You are correct. So, not everyone can be a forensic audio expert, but there are a lot of people out there that have the ear that are here that are getting responses and able to hear them. I, boy, I mean, there's such a lot I want to ask you about this. Um, I suppose, you know, a ballpark, and you know, this question is not coming from me, but it's the kind of question that people would ask. Um, what are you getting out of that? 
one of the most satisfying, one of the most fulfilling feelings that I've ever felt in life. That's what I'm getting out of it. I'm getting out of it a feeling that I am helping people are part of, I'm a part of helping people bridge two energies that are, that are not in the same plane of existence. Mm. And it's, it, I believe the connecting factor that makes the connection possible is love. You know, there's a line in the movie Interstellar. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but Interstellar is a very amazing movie. For any of your listeners and to you, it's not about afterlife research, but it is in a form about the existence of this universe and, 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 and our purpose in it. And it's just one of the most amazing movies. Christopher Nolan, one of the most brilliant filmmakers of our time, made that movie and I'm not going to go into the whole about the movie, but one of the lines Anne Hathaway is in there, Matthew McConaughey, Michael Caine, I mean, a brilliant actor. And, and, and Anne Hathaway has a line and she says, um, I'm going to paraphrase. I can't quote it exactly, but, um, love is the only thing that we believe or that she believes love is the only thing that can transcend, uh, uh, um, the dimension of time and space. And I believe that to be true because I believe that love is, is the connecting factor here. When some, when, when, a, when, a, um, when a wife loses, let's say a husband, a mother loses a child and they are so distraught, they were in such love with each other as far as being either family or, or being, you know, uh, your partners. And they just want to connect with each other. The, the living wants to connect with the soul the soul wants to connect with the living person and then here comes josh with his, with his box with his device with his intuitive ability um, or any other medium for that fact you know that matter and they act as a bridge for those two p- people two souls that are in, you know that love each other it really does make this possible and, and so that is happening. That is actually happening. And the information is accurate. So we know that we are connecting with something that is very real. Is anybody else doing this, Josh? Yeah, I mean, there are other people doing ITC. But, um, no, I'm, t- I'm talking on, about this method you- of using recordings of somebody in a living state that you then reverse and mash up like that. Is anybody else doing that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is another guy out there that is, I mean, there's actually a few people now trying it, you know, I mean, that's, that's not, I mean, you know, I learned by watching other people, I watched other people trying different things, and then I would adopt a part of that method myself and then change it and use it in a different way. And I would kind of perfect it on my own. I think that's really what has been happening since Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla have been testing with it from when Jurgensen and, 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 and uh, Constantine Rodeval have been testing with it. You know, a guy named Frank Sumption um, is the, is like the godfather of spirit boxes. He's the first one to create a spirit box radio with echo and reverb. And, and they would, you know, he would, you know, use these boxes. He wanted to connect with aliens to use these boxes, but, but we found that they would connect with, 
with spirit that we found. And so, you know, uh, other people are doing things like this. Um, they're, they're, they're experimenting with it. I don't know that I've found anyone else that has had the same success um, with doing private sessions, intuitive box, um, the way that I'm doing it. I don't know that I've seen that, but, um, you know, there are some really brilliant minds out there that are, are, are it, but it's a very small. Okay. I just want to explain to my listener that, uh, your sound is breaking up just a little bit. I think it's something to do with your connection, okay. but we can, we can understand All right. and we're coming into the last 10 minutes or so anyway, but we can understand what you're saying. I mean, look, I think this is mind blowing if it's so, I, it I don't know what you want to do with it, but if if I was you, and, and I don't think I would have the patience to do what you've done, but if I were you, um, I think I would probably want to go to some academic researcher somewhere, even though those people would put I you did. through rigorous... Ta you have done that. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, I've done that. Yeah, I worked with the Bigelow Institute of Consciousness Studies. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the Bix, Bix Institute, um, they are, you know, they're there. Robert Bigelow is the one that, that owns and runs that, that institution. And, um, the head PhD there, I, um, that, you know, they had an essay contest and they said, you know, anyone that can write an essay that is convincing enough of the afterlife, uh -huh. um, we will award a million dollars to. Uh -huh. And I wrote them back and I said, you can keep your million dollars. I'll convince you for free if you want. And they messaged me back and they said, well, let's work together. And I said, that's fine. When was this? Um, how do you, this was, uh, last year. And, and so, you know, the head PhD there said, this is what we'll do. We want to run multiple experiments with you. And I said, okay, tell me what you want me to do. And they said, we will call you from the Institute at a set time and day. And you will, we will just have someone here that you will not know, and they will just say only their first name only. And then you will need to tell us everything you can tell us about that person, their living, uh, uh, their deceased loved ones, or any other psychic information you get for about a half an hour. So for 30 minutes straight, you will cold read this person only based on them saying their name. And then when that's done, you can turn on your boxes mm -hmm. and try to get more information. And I said, that sounds like a great idea. So the day came and, and I got a call and, and uh, the woman, you know, the, the, the head PhD got on. He said, I'm going to put this woman on and she's going to say her name only. And then she's not going to say anything for the whole call. And I said, okay. And the woman says her name and I just proceed to just see a man. I see this, I get this information. I see that they came from this place and, and I got a name and I got all kinds of information. And, um, and then I turned on my boxes and, and I started to get responses. And when the call was done, the PhD says, uh, you know, the, uh, the head director of the thing, he says, listen, I'm not, we're not going to send you any feedback until you send us your, um, captioned video. 
And I said, great. So I went to captioning my video as far as what I think I heard as responses. And then I sent that to them. And then they sent me back a, 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 a sheet saying, you got this right. You got this right. You got this right. This was a little off. This was a little off, but this was right. This was you know accurate. And I got a number of pieces of information accurate without, without being told anything other than the person's and first name. And did they tell you what the percentage was? In other words, how that varied from, from random guesswork? Well, they didn't say a percentage. What they did was, was they sent me a sheet with a number of the things that I said. Okay, and, and, and how, then, how many? How, you know, was it uh, 80%, 70%, 60%? I mean, I, I, the exact number, I don't want to say a number that's wrong, but I, 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 I will say, I think, out of 10 things that I said, I mean, there, there were a, a good many. I would say probably seven or eight, yes. Well, I mean, so, I, I think, and look, I'm, I'm not an academic. I don't know that, but I would say that's probably bigger than random. I'd say random well, would probably be three or four, if that. If that. And they would have to be very vague things. But these were specific things like this person was Italian. This person had a, had a loved one named um, August or Augustino and a name. And there were different pieces of information that were very specific that were accurate. And to make sure that there was, there was this was not a fluke, mm -hmm. we did it again. We did it a second time, and the information was was even more accurate the second time. Huh. So not not only was it was it proving my own intuitive psychic ability, it was proving that we could get accurate information through the boxes as well. So yes, and yes, this that is was, a person you know nothing about about apart from a name, and you you do it intuitively at the beginning, then you engage your technology. Correct. And those were the results. That's a year ago. What happens about this now then? Well, I mean, there's, there's really nothing more that, I mean, we, you know, we did some, a, a number of different experiments. We worked with them. They wanted to hire me, um, to work at their Institute. Um, and, and then, and then unfortunately they did a background check on me, uh, which, you know, to hire me. And I said, you know, I said, you, you guys, I sent you my book. So you understand that I do have, um, a past. <laughs> and they said, yeah, our, our legal department is definitely going to have an issue with you working here because of your, of, of, of your past. But, um, he goes, the, 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 the findings of these experiments were just absolutely amazing. You know, so I mean, I, you know, it was a tough, it was a tough thing to deal with because, you know, very rarely does my past still come back and kind of bite me in the butt. It's been over 20 years now, but you know, it's still there and, and I understand that. So it's kind of like I've been, you know, I've worked with a forensic audio expert. I've worked with another PhD doing something like this. I worked, like I said, with the Bix Institute. Um, all of my readings, when I do them, you know, I don't want to know anything about you. I want to get on the phone and I tell people, you give me your name or the person's name that you're looking to reach. And that is it. And, 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 and we do that for the first 15 minutes of an hour call where I do not want to hear from you any feedback. Yes or no. Yes, you're right. I don't want to hear any of that. I want you to mute your phone if you, if you can. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say all the things I'm getting. And then after that, you know, they accurate um, or, or did that resonate? Was that true? And then you can ask me some questions then from there. Mm. But I don't want to be fed. I don't want to be given anything. And all I can do is keep trying to work with institutes when I can.
well, professionals. You know, than I look, can. there are going to be people listening to this all over the world, and you know, specifically, this show emanates out of the UK. There are people who I know personally who are researchers who listen to this as well. Right. And maybe they would want to work with you too. I can't honestly understand why something that happened when you were younger should affect or should affect what you're doing now because that that doesn't make sense i mean I don't, in, in this country we have something like called spent convictions so after seven years with minor offenses i think i've got this right uh, you cannot refer to well them. but i, I gotta be careful yeah. i gotta be careful with that hold on let me just let me just stop you for a second howard my offense mm -hmm. when i was 20 something years old was not a minor offense i was i mean oh, it's right. in my book i mean everything is full disclosure mm -hmm. so i don't i don't hide anything about what, what was it what i was but i was addicted to drugs i was addicted to alcohol and drugs and i had a situation where um i went to purchase some narcotics um and i had a legal a legal mm -hmm. firearm on me um God. but i shouldn't have had that with me and and yeah and um i i was um the deal went bad the deal went bad and and the guy attacked me and i had to defend myself i was in a in the wrong place at the wrong time you shot him because of me me putting myself there right i don't blame anyone else but me but um i pulled out my firearm and i shot this man six times and so i was i was charged with attempted murder and that's what i went to prison right. okay for. no and, I, and, I, yeah. I understand that you know, I should have asked you this earlier on, but I, okay. I, I didn't get the full strength That's of it. Now right. you're telling me <laughs> that is the kind of thing that would stick with you um, a very long time. For the and, rest of my life. Yeah. And what are your thoughts about that now? What are your thoughts I about mean, the person who did I, that? I, well, I mean, he was a he was a he was a, a drug dealer and then he later became a convicted. Uh, he lived. He did not die, um, but he. Later no, no, I'm, I'm talking a, about a you. Your thoughts uh, about you. Well, no, I mean, what, what do you mean? My thoughts about what the, I did? I mean, the, the thoughts about the person you were then. I mean, hmm. Oh, I was, a, I was, I was a hopeless person that hmm. was destined to die. I mean, I wanted to die. I didn't want to live anymore. I had no hope. I didn't think I, I, I wanted to die, but I didn't have uh, the gall to do it myself. I mean, I, I was not, you know, I, I mean, all I could do was just kind of be in this horrible place of doing drugs, drinking myself into a stupor. Mm. Um, I thought that's what, that's how it was going to end for me. Jeez, Josh, you've been to Helen back in your life. You really have. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So you're on a different path now. Um, and I do you, do you think while, that yeah. something has rescued you from, from that abyss that you were staring into? Yeah. I mean, I would give, I would attribute that, that salvation that I received. I, to um you know uh, jesus christ i mean i would i would i would attribute that to to my lord and savior now again i'm not religious i don't walk around talking about religion this is a spiritual experience for me this is a spiritual journey so when i'm connecting with with christ I believe i'm connecting with the all passionate judgmental Christ. I'm not the one that is, I'm not connecting with the one that hates them. Okay, because they now, don't now your, your line is breaking up again, but I think I can get exactly the gist of where you're coming from. Well, thank you for sharing that with me. Yes. It helps me to understand this story you know, even yes. more. So what do you, what yes. do you want to happen now? 
Josh, you know, are you going to develop this thing? Are you going to go even more public with it? Or are you just going to quietly do it for those people who approach you? What's the plan? No, I mean, I have a YouTube channel that I share my work on, and I have almost 120,000 people that are following the work. I, I share my clips and my work on TikTok. I know it's kind of a, a weird platform maybe to share. It's a lot of people. I have over, over 300,000 people that are, that are following me on TikTok. I've got a lot of clients that will... will and ask me to do, do readings. I do live events in different cities. Um, I've taught classes. I've, I've um, I, you know, I wrote my book. Right. So, so the, the plan really here. is to spread the word. I'm just jumping in here because that, That's all I can do. that digital yeah. sound thing is mangling up. But the great thing is that for the bulk of what we talked about, uh, there was no problem with this, and it was perfectly understandable Good. all the way through. So, Josh, look, last thing to ask you is a question that I've asked an awful lot of people I would even say in your field because that, that kind of makes it sound trite and I don't want to do that but you know I've asked a lot of right. people this question from the researches that you've done and from the conversations via electronics that you've had what do you think happens when we die I believe we retain our free will still and we get to the other side if we've lived a good life and we've lived one with spirituality and focusing and trying to do good. Um, we will see the light. We will have an opportunity to cross over into that light into a higher dimension. Um, if we lived negatively, if we didn't put any attention on, on the, the search for God or higher power, um, and we kind of lived materially, um, that light may not be there right away when we, when we pass to the other side and not hell, we're not in hell, but we're in an in-between is right, a, a kind of journey of discovery. I think I'm going to have to, to park it there just because it's, it's at times becoming difficult to the listen sound. to because of the sound. Sure. But sure, I think we've, sure. I, look, I think we've, we've heard a lot and I think we've learned a lot. And I can only wish you well with it, Joshua. It's it's it is oh, an astonishing you, an astonishing story. Um, you know, I I can hear you're sincere about what you're doing, and you know I, I think you need to get more attention if if this stuff is working in this way, then you need to be getting more attention for it. Um, if people want to find out about you, what's I your hope website? So. HopeParanormal.com. Hopeparanormal.com. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now, Josh. You and listen, I think it's amazing that we've done this because when we're recording this, let me just remind my listener, uh, you've just been <laughs> in the teeth of a, a passing hurricane. Uh, and I yes. think you've done incredibly well with that. And, no, you know, I, I did you, say Howard. to you before we started recording, I'm quite happy to, <laughs> to do this another time. And you were great. You said, no, let's go ahead and do it. So thank you very yeah. much. No, I apologize. Thank you. Thank you, Howard, for having me on. It really... Uh, it's an honor. Thank you. And you've been a pleasure to speak with, really. And you've been hearing my conversation with Joshua Louie, based, of course, in Florida. And my thanks to him. And I think what made him interesting, you tell me, is his use of technology to do what he's doing. I think there is some kind of interaction between if you believe there is a spirit world or a world of some kind beyond this one, whether you believe it's ghosts or ETs or whatever you believe that it is. And it may all be connected as far as we know. I think there may be some kind of link-up between the technology that we use and are discovering and that realm. And I think as time goes on, and these are just things that I think, 
and I'm willing to accept that I might be completely wrong, but I think increasingly we'll discover that connection. But let's see what happens. There are many people researching these things right now. More great guests in the pipeline here at the home of The Unexplained in London. So until we meet next, my name is Howard Hughes. This has been The Unexplained Online. Please, whatever you do, stay safe, stay calm. And above all, please stay in touch. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.